emotional, and mental pain has a stigma. A stigma that we are trying to break. This can only be done if we all create a conversation. If we all stand up, if we all speak out, and most importantly, if we are all there for each other. Have a chat. Don't wait. I'm your host, Lachlan Island, and this is the Running from the Shadow podcast. And welcome to the Running from the Shadow podcast. My name is Lachlan Island, and with me today, I have Jake Mowby. Uh, ultra, ultra runner, uh, living ambassador and uh, survivor, you could say. How are you, Jake? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, man. No problems, mate. Um, been following you on Instagram and see you have a fair bit coming up. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, what's coming up. So uh, at the moment, I'm uh, training to do 31 marathons in 31 days for uh, Live In Mental Health Organisation. So sweet. So where's that? Where are you basing that? Are you running around uh, Brisbane, Gold Coast, wherabouts? So um, just to make it easy on myself, with like for the travel logistics, I'm just going to keep it around the Gold Coast and um, post sort of a day or two prior to the run where I'll be doing it for the people to jump on and come enjoy some Ks with me. So people in the open, out there in the public that want to run, they're more than welcome to come on and yes. jump in with you? Yes, so the idea is, um, the whole whole idea is um, uh, sort of to get people out talking. I want to share my story with the people, um, hopefully to inspire them, get them out of a rut. But the, the whole idea is... Um, each marathon, I want to have 31 stories by the end of the marathon. So, if I can, uh, so I want to dedicate every marathon to a person. Starting off with uh, the first marathon will be for, dedicated to myself. Uh, the last one will be dedicated to Dwayne Lally, which is uh, the reason why I live in is um, I got found him because he lost his life to suicide and his two mates um, uh, didn't see any really warning signs at the time. Um, and uh, so they've put together this uh, organisation, which their their quote is, it ain't weak to speak, which resonates a lot to me. So um, the idea is to have 31 stories by the end of it. And uh, I mean, it'll also give me purpose to, to run those marathons too when I, when I know, you know, have a story to share or from that person who I'm dedicating the marathon to. Yeah, and Travi, Travi mentioned in his, uh, when I spoke to him the other day and he said, that first, you know, 30 to 40K, the marathon is sort of running for yourself, but that last 2K is a lot easier when you're dedicated to someone that supported you and so on. Exactly. It's, uh, and it, it definitely makes you dig a lot deeper and it, it gives you purpose to run as well. So you can call upon those uh, when you're struggling in the hard time. You can call upon those, uh, those uh, either dark moments you've experienced or uh, the, the, the enlightenment, enlightenment uh, moments where you're, uh, you know, someone's, been there, had your back, you can also call on the, the good moments like that to propel you forward. One in five Australians aged between 16 and 85 will experience mental illness throughout their life. Every day, six Australians die from suicide. A further 30 attempt to take their own life. Six? That's not just a number. But think of the names of six people you love, you care about. And that's a reality many families face each day, a life without them. 
A conversation could more than half that number. And that conversation starts here. You said you're dedicating that first marathon uh, to yourself. Um, so, like your childhood. Um, yeah. So, so, I lived pretty much your, your typical childhood. Um, have a very loving, supporting family. Um, uh, I guess you can start, started going through uh, life's adversities at a young age or a younger age than I suppose uh, the normal person would. But uh, it kind of got me to. I suppose, put on my big boy pants and and uh, become a, an adult at, I suppose, 16 years old. Now, it started, the, the crisis moment started off when um, my partner at the time uh, was halfway through 2008. I was halfway, th- halfway through year 11. And my partner at the time got diagnosed with cancer. Now, at that point in my life, I uh, wasn't expecting anything. So it was a bit of a kick in the face for me. Um, and I took it upon myself to actually leave school and look after her because her uh, father died when she was two of cancer. So her mum had to go home, uh, go to work, and I didn't want to leave and leaving her like there on her own sort of thing. So um, every second day, I could um, go for a surf because her mum sort of started later. So surfing was really my outlet at that point. But she used to drop me off at the spit. I used to go paddle over Stratty for sort of you know, two, three hours and like majority of the time I'd sit at the back crying, like crying my eyes out, crying, crying, crying. And then I'd paddle back and then put on my big boy pants and everything was okay. And I'd support this poor 16 year old girl who's going through chemotherapy, losing her hair. Like it was a, a pretty rough patch. And uh, she ended up going, through, uh, getting back into remission, which is perfect. Did all her chemotherapy. And um, so I decided I'd go back to school um, 2009, I graduated because Queensland um, school schooling education they gave me spe- uh, special recognition. So I pretty much skipped the half half of year 11 and jumped straight back into year 12. Um, at this point, I didn't really have many mates because like I dedicated so much time to the relationship and that. So I was one of those guys at school and kind of floated around from group to group to group and. Um, like always had a smile on my face just like nothing really sort of brought me down and then uh, it would have been about two years after that so just finished school I um, started hanging out with a few of the the wrong people and uh, my relationship at the time sort of decided to go two separate ways Um, now at this point I'd my conditions of going back to school, I had to see a, a guidance counsellor, have a chat. But like, I mean, I was just your typical 16-year-old dude that was just like, yeah, everything's good, everything's good. But, you know, deep down, I knew there was something that wasn't wasn't right. And uh, so I started hanging out with some uh, pretty rough people, I guess you can say. And uh, before one thing led to another, I was living in surface and I was taking drugs every Tuesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but still always maintain my work and uh, started selling drugs with the boys and I was like exposed to all kinds of pretty gnarly stuff at that point in my life and um, wasn't, um, it wasn't until probably about, about a, two years of living that sort of life, 21, where things become a bit too much and uh, 
I actually ended up having a falling out with one of the guys, which is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. So I um, distanced myself away from that sort of group, which was also hard to get out of that environment with the people I was hanging out with as well. So um, then uh, I was about, I moved back in with my parents because it was, um, I was living in surface and uh, it was about two, three months after living with my, my, um, my parents. I, I met a, another female and uh, we ended up moving into a place that I live in at Palm Beach now. And uh, everything was going good, but I think there was some underlying issues and I needed to address and I kind of didn't want to, so, which had like a lot of sort of strain on that relationship too. But she was so super supportive and like always there, always had my back, always wanted me to go get help. But me being me, it was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll eventually do it. And uh, I was always on um, Prestique, which is a, a, a medication as well as Valium. So I used to think by me controlling that, like having that, that was like me under control sort of thing. Um, and then in 2015, my, my, I always knew my mother had um, sort of mental health issues and whatnot. So 2015 is about halfway through and um, I was uh, at work one day. I actually, I've been doing my job for going on 10 years now, but I had a little bit of a break, a little bit of a transition. I was just super confused at the time. So I actually went and started building jet skis at JSW Power Sports, which is like, completely different to what I do like I'm a comms technician now so just wanted that bit of a change so started building jet skis um, at JSW which is kind of lucky in this situation because I um, it was about lunchtime one day and I got a phone call from my little brother and at the time I couldn't even understand what he was saying he was just in hysterics and I was just like dude you, you need to talk to me what's going on and the only two words I could understand was mum and home and I knew straight away like I was in South pretty much uh, Harbour Town which is like bigger waters sort of thing and my family homes at uh, Southport couldn't understand so the first thing I did I was riding a motorbike at the time I chucked my helmet on and I just opened it up I got there in probably about six seven minutes ran every red light like I knew something was up and then um, when I walked through the door I see my mother unconscious on the ground. I knew something wasn't right. And um, at the time, I, I asked my little brother what he had done, what steps, and he didn't even call an ambulance or anything because he was only young. He was just probably about, he was about 17 at the time. And um, I think he was just in a bit of shock. And so I got him to call um, the ambulance while I sat there and worked with my mother. And um, she ended up overdosing on... Uh, um, prescription medication trying to take her life because um, a few few issues were going on at home and I guess that was her escape that was the only way out at the time and uh, after all this happened the quick response ambulance come and looked after her and an ambulance come picked her up and I just I just remember sitting there just going the most strongest person in my whole life is uh, you know resorting to this and I've had these thoughts for going on you know, years and years, like fighting these thoughts. And I'm just like, nah, like you can do it. You can keep doing it. But then someone so strong goes and does something like that. So it was a, it was a, I guess a moment then really hit home to me then because like, I just remember sitting there just going, what hope have I got? I'm only 20, 20, 
22, 23, I would have been about 23, 24 years old. Like what hope have I got sort of carrying on my life living like this? And um, I ended up going, um, mum ended up getting help, getting sorted. Like she's doing really well now. She's really healthy, really happy, but I'll get into that a bit later. But um, I ended up going back home and it took a lot of, like lot out of me where to the point where it started really affecting my relationship. I, I was smoking ridiculous amount of pot, like ridiculous amount and just spending lots of time in bed, calling up sick for work, just like in a real rough patch. And um, it was July, about halfway through July 2015, uh, 2016. And uh, my partner at the time just had enough of who I, like what I was becoming. And like, I, she didn't understand. Like I, I never really spoke to anyone other than my, my mom occasionally or I was never really close to my brothers and like my mates at the time like you don't want to be a burden to your mates so I kind of just kept everything to myself and she ended up leaving which I didn't blame her because like I wasn't doing anything I was this you know I was pretty bedridden and uh once that happened I've got a little pug little little dog and uh for a solid it would have been about from July halfway through July to the start of August. I wasn't eating. There was two weeks where I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't eat. I just, I was a mess, man. Like I was in all kinds of hurt. Um, and it got to the point where the only thing that was, the only thing that was driving me was my dog. Like I had to get up out of bed two, three times a day, take it for a walk and make sure a bowl and water, bowl of water was there and food and, like, if you follow me on Instagram, you know exactly how much my dog yeah. means to me, man. Like, she's everything to me. But um, so there's that. And then I just remember I was halfway through August and I had just become to the point where it was far too much for me to handle. Like, I was scared I was going to lose my job. There was two weeks I didn't go to work. I wasn't even calling up work. And, like, and I've still, I still work for the same company now, mind you. Like, they've been the biggest help to me, like kept me in line, kept me focused, kept me driven. And uh, got to a point where, you know, I was questioning why am I even doing this? Like it's it's too much effort. So I, um, I remember sitting on the corner of my couch and um, halfway through August and uh, with a notepad in my hand and a pen. And like, like I said before, I've never really been close to my brothers or anything. Like I've just been sort of done my own thing. Like I moved out of home when I was 16, so I kind of just done my own thing. And um, put a pen to the paper. Now the first, I wrote out two notes. And the first note was to my partner at the time because when I wanted to take my life, I didn't want her to feel like it was her because I was battling demons way before, before she even came into my life. Like I just wanted to make sure that there was no going to be nothing that affected her later on in life and I just wanted to make sure but when I was writing out this note because I had a couple of Valiums and a couple of drinks at the time there was no emotion and no feeling going into that first note and then the second note I started writing it and it got pretty deep in that note just with my mum and my dad and I started writing all my brother's names and then I got to my brother Ben and now Ben he's always been a runner he's always um you know, I've always looked up to him. He's always been a cluey dude. Like, always had his stuff sorted. And uh, he's my second oldest brother. And um, 
he just ran and ran for years and years. I used to watch him go end up in the back of ambulances and stuff like that and just go, why? Like, why would you want to put yourself in a situation like that? It's just silly. And um, I started writing his name and for, he j- and the thing is he just had a, a kid a couple of months before, just got married the year before and just bought this nice new house, all this stuff. I was just writing his name and then I'm just like, you need to call him. Just give him a call. You don't have to tell him what's going on. You just need, just something was telling me subconsciously to pick up that phone and call. And it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, man. Like I, I wasn't even going to tell him on the phone what I was going to do. I just wanted to have a chat and picked up the phone after I wrote both those notes out. And as soon as I heard his voice, I started bawling my eyes out, man. And like at that point, he knew that I was going through some, you know, pretty rough times. But I don't think he even had a clue sort of the rough times I was going through. So he goes to me, he goes, I'm coming to grab you right now. You're coming back, pack a bag. You're coming to stay with me just for a little bit. And I just, because when you're in that sort of state, you don't want to be a burden on anyone. You don't want to reach out for help. You just kind of want to stick to yourself. But it was the hardest thing by far I've ever had to do. It was like, just accept that I needed fucking help and I needed it really bad, like really bad. And um, mind you, I had the belt out, the chair, everything was ready to go. Like it was, it was be all end all, that was it. He come and got me. So for the first rest of August, sort of halfway through, uh, yeah, halfway through September, he never forced anything on me. He just had one rule that I didn't smoke in front of his kids or like didn't bring any, anything in the house or yeah, he'll smoke cigarettes or sort of drink in front of his kids, which I respected that. Like you're inviting me into your house, you know, you're putting a roof over my head, you're feeding me. And uh, at that time, like, as I said, I wasn't eating for two weeks. So I got down to like, would have been like late 50 kilos man like I was you know a bit of a mess so my brother fed me up showed me how to eat like his wife as well um Darcel she's lovely lovely lady like they've had my back they still got my back and um so they took me in fed me and my brother was probably halfway through September he goes to me I know you're paying rent back in uh, your house in Palmy he's like if you sign up for um, 25Ks in the Rang State Forest, it was a race in October the 2nd. He's like, yeah, that's that's all I ask from you. Just, you know, I don't care if you hike it, you walk it, you know, run it, do whatever. Just get out there, man. Just enjoy yourself. I was like, that's the least I can do. Like, what else have I got to lose? Like, I've got nothing. Like, all I got is my work, you know, my dog. Give it's it a red hot. Not an easy course either. No. I did the 50 mile the day before and... Yeah, man, it's uh, it's definitely uh, an eye-opener, that one. And, I mean, as you know, in the rain, it's not the most scenic place either. <laughs> so, I mean, you got the terrain. There's not really too much to look at. But, mate, it was uh, 2nd of October, best day of my life. Laced up the shoes, did it in three hours and 20 minutes. It's not ridiculous. It wasn't even that. But it was just a fact that I remember I call up my brother. I was, like, halfway through it. And um, call up my brother. I'm like, dude, I've ran out of water. Like, I don't know what to do. And he met me at the top of the hill. Well, he come hiking up the hill, but I was like, pretty much like, pretty messed up underneath the water thing. He's like, have you had water? I'm like, no, man, not yet. And I'm sitting, looking up right above me is the, the water container. So I feel like the thing. So you fill up my bottle. Took me home. 
took me to the finish line. I just remember looking at my legs, just going, fuck, these things took me 25 kilometers. Like, what the actual, like, that's crazy. And then uh, after that, I turned to my brother, I'm like, I want to do a marathon. He's like, radio, next month is like Port Douglas marathon. Let's go. I was like, sweet as. He ended up doing the ultra that year and uh, I did the marathon. And that took me five hours and saying five hours, 54 minutes, I think. Um, the month after, like mind you, I did a little bit of training. I just didn't go from that to that. Like I, it just sparked that fuel to my fire. And I was just like, wow, like I went from in a bed to these things is like not knowing they actually work. Like all I did was surf my life. So to be able to, you know, run a marathon, it was just like, what's next? So. 50k a month after that and it was just 50 milers and then like before I knew it man I was I was hooked I was grabbed by the balls I've always had an addictive personality so it was uh it was something like nothing else and all I can say is running saved my life like my brother but as well as running as you can see like I can I do multiple runs just to keep that mind at bay now like I'm not on prescription medication or anything anymore and like I live definitely a, a more, a much more happier life ever since I've, I've found found running. So, what do you think it is about the running that is it that helps you? Um, it's one of those things, man. When I run, it's the only time I get to myself with my true thoughts. Like, there's not a moment that goes by then I I think anything negative. It's even on that first 25k, I, there was not one negative thought that ran through my head and that was the first time ever since I was 16 years old that I didn't have a negative thought. It, I'm able to quieten down the mind to the point where it's almost like time stops. Like I do multiple back-to-back 20k runs on a weekend. Just I've seen it the last couple of weeks on Strava. It's every, every day, even during the week. Yeah, yeah it's just... Doing your 20ks and... It's just... Uh, I've just got this connection now that as soon as my, my feet are in my running shoes and, and I used to be a trail runner, but it's gone to the point now where like even on the road, I'm able just to get into this flow state where I can run for multiple hours without feeling any sort of pain or uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, definitely, it definitely is amazing. And so, and then the fuel from that to do the 31 marathons in 31 days, is there any reason as to why it's 31 or? So, in August being the hardest time in my life, which was 2016, it was, uh, I made, I could have done February, which is 28 days, but the whole purpose behind this is like, I've, I'm going to have that in the back of my head, what I went through in 2016. And that in itself, as a personal um, bit of fuel to my fire, but then I'm going to have all these people that I'm going to be dedicating my marathons to who have got similar sort of situ- been in a sim- similar situations as what I have, also fueling that as well. So it's definitely definitely a, um, a monumental achievement, even considering doing the 31 in 31 days. So uh, definitely, I uh, I don't think I'll be putting my myself through it or have the, the dedication. Obviously, for the training, for the hardest thing for that. What's your like? What's your rough week look like for the training for that at the moment? Well, uh, with uh, this, like, I've kind of gone it gone about because, like, when I'm training for races, I've I've always been such a, a structured training plan. Um, I get coached by Squad Run, uh, New Zealand-based um, running company, uh, a coaching company over there, and uh, at the moment, I'm not on a training program, so 
I pretty much get mentored by Kerry Suter who's, and, and Ali, who, who are the uh, owners of Squad Run, but, um, which is the, the rad thing is because I've structured this whole sort of I've, I don't think there's really any coaches that can really coach you to run 31 marathons back to back. I don't know if there sort of is any yeah. really training. So I've gone about it by doing sort of like a load phase where it was just loading kilometers upon kilometers. So I started around like 50 Ks, which is a, a bit of a nice easy week, but sort of running six to seven days a week, just like real small runs. And now I'm sort of sitting in the six to seven days I try run. Um, and I'm sitting about 145 to, yeah, I think I hit about 145 Ks last week. Yeah. And uh, sort of doing a little bit of a reset this week um, because I'm pacing a, a 3.30 marathon on Sunday. So I kind of just dropped the volume back a little bit just so I can uh, have the legs for, 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 Sunday. for Sunday, but uh, also be smart and not jump straight back into 150K a 150 K week. I'll sort of jump back into like an 80 K week. And, work my way up to Goldie Marathon then I'm going to have a crack at Goldie Marathon and then I'll have like maybe two two more big week weeks before um, August and then it'll be showtime for August and you you see the improvement just there the five the five about 30 marathon was the first one in the, in the mid fives to like to pacing in 330 which yeah. is it's a huge improvement just in two years so it does show that anyone can just come out and start and it just the first steps putting those shoes on exactly oh the first steps if you've uh, if you've if you've got your problems to reach out and sort your problems out and then before you know it you'll find your purpose and your passion for something and that's far greater than than any fuel you exactly you'll find that if you've got a decent enough purpose to to do something you'll find a will and a way to do it so so what's your advice to people going through similar things to what uh, to what you went through and or their own um mental mental health um battles what's what's your advice to them well there's like now day and age there's the stigma is definitely getting broken but there's still a lot a lot more to go about it but your friends and family are you, you be all and end all. I know at the time you're feeling like you're being a burden to them, but mate, your friends and family will be there through thick and thin, as well as there's so many different uh, organizations out there now. Like uh, you got uh, suicide callback services where you don't even have to speak to an operator, you can just text and say if you're feeling lonely or feeling hurt, there's uh, you know, your, your lifeline numbers. You've got uh, even Live and Do like a, uh, a, a texting line as well. So and a messaging line. So there's so many companies out there. And I mean, when you're feeling lonely, the best thing to do is to speak because I mean, once you're trapped in your thoughts, I mean, if they can get the, the better of you and that's for sure. And it's very easy to fall into a rut and it's, and it's very hard to get out of it too. So. Yeah, definitely. And what about for to say the wider public that they just, they think, or they've got an inkling that, that someone they know or someone they care about or a work colleague is going through something, how do, how do you um, suggest to them to approach that situation? The best thing is, man, is this, you know, asking if someone's okay, like it's a couple of simple, you know, simple words, but can mean so much to, to someone who is actually going through a bit because, I mean, if you're putting a question on someone, if they're okay, it means you, you, you care about them, you're showing, you know, interest in that person. So, I mean... There's, there's that, that's probably the, the be all and end all, especially if you're close to that person. You say, are you okay? You just seem, you know, you just don't see yourself today. So 
just wanted to make sure and they'll either say yes or no and then just keep a close eye on that person you know like they either going to go more down or they're going to bring themselves back up but yeah just definitely that's and that's what it's all about just looking after your mates your work colleagues your, your friends your family like your relationships whatever it may be you just need to you need to keep your eyes open and just like if it's not you that's going through saying someone else may be going something um something that might be going on with someone else like just be kind it's it's, it's super super easy like you don't know what ba- um, pe- like battles people are going through you know so and that's something I've learned as well because a lot of people I've told like little bits and pieces to, to people and they didn't have a clue they're like wow like I didn't even have a have a clue I've just all of a sudden started seeing you running there's got to be a reason behind it and you know you give them a little bit a little bit of your story and they're just like wow I didn't know but that's the thing no one knows what you're going through especially nine times out of ten people are going to mask everything and bottle it up and keep it to themselves especially being a male like that's what society has made us like we've got to be these macho men walking around staunching around it's like no we don't like the people are like how do you run for hours you must be so strong it's like no the strongest I've ever been was reaching out for help and I needed it the most like that's when I look back now and I'm like I was a strong motherfucker back then like that was tough now I'm just just your average dude that loves to run and I use it as my medication so no, perfect perfect answer there as well and, and what about like signs I know we said you said before with the guys that living in uh, their friend Dwayne um, and and how hard it was for them because they didn't see any signs um, and nine times out of ten people are really good at masking it but I know Trav said when we spoke to him um, earlier on about the signs is just that simple when you say hello to someone how you're going is that change in their tone of voice or the way they answer it you sort of can gradually understand that change um, do you have any other signs that you've you've picked up on or you may know of that can like especially like disconnection so like if you constantly seeing someone you know posting and posting like even on a social media platform and then all of a sudden they've just dropped off the face of the earth it doesn't take much just like pick up your phone and swing a message saying how have you been you don't have to say are you okay and just see if you get a reply back or you know as Travis said you can generally you know see someone the way you when you're communicating with them especially if there's someone close like a colleague or someone that you see every day at work you can uh, you generally get the the general personality like everyone yeah everyone has their bad days and you're allowed to have your off days but if it's becoming more and more regular and more frequently that should start ringing alarm bells like for me I know there was when I was real rough there was a solid two weeks where I disconnected from pretty much the world so if you're seeing friends or family doing that you know it's a fair shot and they're they're battling some uh, some serious stuff so yeah no definitely mate it's been great to catch up with you today um can't wait to sit down, follow you on social media, watch your 31 marathons in 31 days, and I'll uh, definitely try and get down there and run some of it with you. Mate, perfect. And, uh, but yeah, great to catch up, mate. Thanks, dude. And, Cheers. Uh, hope everything goes well. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. If you don't feel you can talk to your friends or loved ones about your mental health, please find the numbers for helplines in the description below.